Greetings, friends around the world. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Bible News Prophecy Channel. You know, as we get closer to the time of the end, misinterpretation of the prophecies is going to affect a lot of people. And I want to focus today on 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, mostly associated with uh, verse 7, but also some other parts about signs and wonders and lawlessness. Now, one of the reasons people misunderstand prophecy is due to mistranslations. And while the New King James Version of the Bible is often fairly accurate, it's not perfect. It has errors in it. I'd like to read its rendering of what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now the reality is, you see the word he being capitalized, that's simply not correct. The Greek doesn't have it that way. And also the Greek term genitei uh, is not have to is not being being taken out of the way. That's basically a forced translation from the New King James Version of the Bible. It's not just my opinion. I'd like to read uh, three other translations of that verse, so you see that the reality of what I just said. Let's start with Young's literal translation. For the secret of lawlessness does already work, only he who is keeping down now will hinder till he may be out of the way. Now let's go to J. Green's literal translation. For the mystery of lawlessness already is working. Only he is holding back now until it comes out of the midst. And finally, let's look at the New Living Translation. For this lawlessness is already work at work secretly, and it will remain secret till one who is holding back steps out of the way. Some rapturists like to uh, emphasize this being taken part. I heard famous rapturist Hal Lindsey state that it's the Holy Spirit that's taken out of the way. And he says this is because all, all Christians who have the Holy Spirit will be raptured prior to the start of the Great Tribulation. And that's why this is saying. There's some gender issues here. First of all, if you look at the gender of the Greek term for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, it's a neuter term. So it should be translated as it, not he. And secondly, references to the church in the New Testament refer to it as a woman or feminine. So it doesn't fit whatsoever. But that being said, many people misunderstand. Now, I'd like to read something that the late pastor general of the old Worldwide Church of God, Herbert Ever Armstrong, wrote regarding 2 Thessalonians 2.7. To the Thessalonians, Paul wrote, For the mystery of iniquity does already work, 2 Thessalonians 2.7. It was a Babylonian mystery religion started by Simon the Sorcerer, Acts 8, a religion of iniquity, lawlessness, a religion rejecting the law of God. During the time of Paul's ministry, these same Simon's Magus ministers were troubling the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11, 2-4. They called their Babylonian religion Christianity, but they not only presented a counterfeit gospel, but a counterfeit spirit of self-centeredness and a counterfeit Jesus, and a completely, diff completely different to the Jesus of the Bible. Basically, the mystery of lawlessness tricks people in accepting a compromised pagan biblical religion that people claim is directly or indirectly from God, 
but really based on traditions of men, such as those that Jesus condemned in uh, Matthew uh, 15. From the time the Apostle Paul wrote about the mystery of lawlessness already at work, there were two specifically involved with sorcery and Christianity mentioned in the book of Acts. One has to do with Simon Magus. He's referred to in Acts chapter 8. Basically, he heard disciples preach. He heard Philip preach. He got baptized with him. He thought this was good. But he wasn't truly converted. If we go to verse 18 of Acts chapter 8, we read, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone who I may lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perished with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart's not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wicked this wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. History suggests that Simon Magus did not repent, but instead implemented his own Babylonian form of Christianity. According to Roman Catholic supporting writers such as Irenaeus, Simon and his followers practiced forms of sorcery, had a mystical priesthood, they taught various heresies. I'd like to read a couple of statements from Irenaeus about this also. It says, For all those who are of a perverse mind, having been set against Mosaic legislation, to the doctrine of Simon Magus. Mosaic legislation, what does that mean? Simon Magus was against the Ten Commandments, the Biblical Holy Days, and various other things. Furthermore, in the book of Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read this, verses 16 to 19, there's a woman who uh, had some type of demonic spirit. She brought people money through her prophecies. And she said, verse 17, talking about uh, Paul, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And so she did that, yet Paul rebuked the evil spirit that was in her because she truly wasn't part of the Christian faith when she was saying this. So just because somebody says Jesus is the Messiah, even has signs and wonders, you're not supposed to fall for this. Jesus warned, and I'm going to read this from a Catholic translation, New Jerusalem Bible, Mark 13, verse 22 and 23, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and produce signs and portents to deceive the elect, if that were possible. You therefore must be on your guard, for I've given you full warning. And more warning was given in the book of Revelation. I'll go back this time to New King James, Revelation chapter 13, starting verse 13, talking about one of these false prophets, one actually we tend to call the final Antichrist that Jesus was warning about. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image should both speak and causes many would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. 
No one can buy and sell except who's got the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of man's number is 666. And he's tied in with Satan, which we'll read in chapter 16, starting in verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are the spirit of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world, gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Now this beast power is going to lose, Revelation 19 verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The two were cast alive into the lake, burning with brimstone. In the Bible, in, for example, the book of Job, I'm not going to read this, but the first chapter of Job, as well as the second chapter, shows that God puts limits on what Satan can do. Now, God has allowed Satan to do some signs, but the restraint's going to change. Things are going to change. Uh, but there's going to be a difference between those who follow the Babylonian religion and those who follow the real one, the true religion. Let's read about that in Revelation chapter 14, starting in verse 9. Then a third angel followed them with a loud voice, saying, If anyone worships a beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength in the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels, presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They have no rest day or night, those who worship the beast or his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Part of the mystery of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2.7 is getting people to have an outward religion that's actually hostile to the God of the Bible. Now, according to a biblical and Greco-Roman prophecies, we should expect to see some type of sorceries or apparitions from some type of a lady. I believe that apparitions claim to be a lady may have end time roles. And instead of me just saying it, let me read a couple of things. Let's first go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 47, and read a few portions there. Isaiah 47, starting in verse 1. Come down, sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit in the ground. There is no throne for the daughter of the Chaldeans, for she shall no longer be called delicate and tender. Verse 4. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Sit thou silent, and get into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no longer be called the Lady of the Kingdoms. So we've got something going on regarding this lady. And let's go down to verse 9. These two things shall come upon thee suddenly in one day, barrenness and widowhood. All these shall come upon thee because of the multitude of your sorceries for the great hardness of your heart. And you best trusted in your wickedness and said, there is none that sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge have deceived you. And you have said in your heart, I am, and there's no other. Well, 
Some may be surprised, but this immoral lady is also called a queen and a harlot. In Isaiah 47, verse 7, we read, You thought I shall be a queen forever. I'm the only one that matters. I shall never be widowed and never know bereavement. Now there's something else in the book of Nahum. Small book in the Old Testament. Nahum 3, verse 4. Because of the multitude of harlotries of the seductive harlot, the mystery, mistress of sorceries, who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I lift up your skirt over your face and show the naked nations your nakedness, the kingdoms your shame. Reminds me of Revelation 18, verse 3. All the nations have drunk deep of the wine of her prostitution. Every king of the earth has prostituted himself with her. And every merchant has grown rich through her debauchery. Now, I want to go back to Revelation 17 for just a moment, starting verse 1. Come, and I will show you the condemnation of the great harlot which sits upon many waters. Now, chapter 18, verse 7. As much as she has glorified herself and lived in delicacies, so much torment and sorrow give you to her because she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, not a widow, and sorrow I shall not see. Therefore her plague shall come in one day, death and mourning, famine, and she shall be burnt with fire because God is strong and shall judge her. So we see the same statements in Isaiah 47 being fulfilled in the book of Revelation. This lady, the queen, is the harlot. As far as a skirt goes, let me go back to Isaiah 47. Step down, sit in the dust, virgin daughter of Babylon, verse 2. Remove your veil, tie up your skirt, bury your legs, cross the rivers, let your nakedness be displayed and your shame exposed. I'm going to take vengeance and no one will stand in my way. We'll show, we have this picture regarding the, the image that showed up at Fatima. Now people think that what showed up was this thing that has this long dress. But you see, what really showed up had a short skirt. This was immoral at the time. It was not appropriate in uh, Portugal in 1917. So we see the uh, God's talking about the skirt. And we see the skirt started to rise up already over there. It's a sign to people. And people actually simply believe but the children who claimed to see the vision of Fatima in 1917 actually saw, they would realize it was false. But people have heard so many nice things. Oh, people go to Fatima, they get, their face is improved. They, they get healed or whatever. But they're ignoring the warnings of the Bible and the fact that God has restrained Satan's power during this time and not made it so everybody had to be deceived by it, even though people are. But the time is going to come when God will allow more signs and wonders from the false prophet. The restrainer will be taken out of the way and people are going to fall for it. Christians are supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, but people, most of humanity is going to walk by sight and not by faith. Now, being called the Lady of the Kingdoms is something that Jesus' mother Mary would never want to be called. Neither the Bible nor the Apostles 
ever referred to, to Mary as the Queen of Heaven, but we hear people talking about this. Yet, in the book of Jeremiah, we're warned about honoring the Queen of Heaven. Uh, the reality is, people think Mary is the Queen of Heaven and these images that come down, and it's simply not the reality. Now, who leaves, stops the restraining in 2 Thessalonians 2.7? I've got some speculation on who. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 1. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon and that serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up, put a seal on him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Most certainly, an angel can restrain Satan. Matter of fact, there's a painting about uh, from around 1636 or 1630 in the 17th century by Guido Rini showing his interpretation or depiction of the archangel Michael restraining Satan. Now, we know that the book of Daniel, uh, Gabriel was involved because he would be being restrained by an evil spirit. But let's go to Daniel chapter 10, verse 13 and see something that happened. Daniel 10, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I want to go down to verse 21 of Daniel 10. But I will tell you what is noted in Scripture of truth. No one upholds against me, against these, except Michael, your prince. So this suggests, and this is my speculation, that Michael has more power than the others in the spirit world. Well, that's factual. But my speculation is perhaps Michael will be the restrainer. Now let's also go to Revelation 12, starting verse 7. And war broke out in heaven... Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was their place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. But what really got me to think that it was Michael, who was the one doing the restraining, is actually from the book of Daniel, chapter 12, Verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there will be such time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone is found written in the book. So we see that Michael does something at that time. And then the great tribulation is going to begin. It's during that time that the beast and the false prophet and others are going to perform these signs and lying wonders that we're warned about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This also seems to tie in with Daniel 11 verse uh, 36, which uses a, a similar uh, Hebrew expression. And so my speculation is I think that Michael the archangel is the lowercase he in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 7. Now as far as what's being restrained, but Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 24, said, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the very elect. 
And let's go and read more passages this time from 2 Thessalonians 2. We'll start with verse 7, but we'll take us all the way to verse uh, 12, even though there's a couple of mistranslations with New King James here. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so till he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Clearly, this deception is going to be widespread. That being the case, it seems logical to conclude that much of Satan's power is being restrained at this time, even though he still deceives the whole world, per Revelation 12.9. But this is a different type of deception that's going to happen. This might explain why there have been literally thousands of clean appearances or apparitions and locutions of people, of things that are supposed to be Mary of the Bible, and almost none of them had widespread viewing. Somebody at night, three little kids, uh, etc. And yes, there were things like the so-called miracle of the sun at Fatima, but even that wasn't as clear and for the mass of the world to see. But when such restraints are lifted, and people see the signs and lying wonders from the false prophet, it's likely we're going to see some type of apparitions, some type of lady that God condemns in Isaiah 47, as well as warns about Revelation 17 and 18. It should be pointed out that the Philadelphia Christians at the end time are going to instruct many, according to Daniel 11, verse 33. And this includes warning them about false apparitions and wonders, but also aspects of the mystery of lawlessness, which will abound even greater in the end times. As far as the restraint, restrainer, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not that the church is going to be raptured prior to the Great Tribulation the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. Those are false interpretations. The mystery of lawlessness abounds now, but it's going to get worse with signs and lying wonders. Something is restraining Satan's power now. My speculation is it's Michael the Archangel. But Michael will, will remove the restraint. The Bible warns that signs and lying wonders are going to happen. Do not fall for them. Do not fall for statues that bleed, Eucharistic hosts that turn black, signs in the heavens, people talking, and so-called miracles that you're going to see. The Bible says Satan's minions will be doing such in the end times. You trust in God. Trust in the Word of God. So you will not be deceived like others will. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Bible News Prophecy Channel.